Okay, guys, just stand to your feet with me for a moment, please. We have just sang, come and consume God, all we are. I give you permission, my heart is yours, I want you. Was that true or was it a lie? Four of you. Is that true or was it a lie? Because you know what? When we sing, it's just as much a sin to sing it as to declare it and lie to one another. We have just said before the Lord, my God, come and consume all I am. I give you permission this morning. So we go back to me making a prophetic declaration that if you agree with, you will say amen at the end. If you don't agree with it, don't say amen. How's that? So we declare this again, and it's not to fill time. Today, the enemy will not steal the seed that is sown in my life. Today, the cares of life will not choke the seed. Today, immaturity will not reduce that seed. Today, I am good soil. My life will produce a harvest. Today, I have broken my unplowed ground. I pray the Holy Spirit sends the rain from heaven to water that seed. Today... um, Today, if I have not produced fruit before, then give me a 30-fold return. And if 30, then 60. If 60, then 100. Today, cause my life to work with and not against the seed. Today, let the seed flourish in any and every environment. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Pastor Tony has said something great this morning. He says great things most mornings, but he said something great this morning. And he said, that which is started in the spirit must be maintained and finished in the spirit. I say to you today, and I make this declaration. I believe this morning that as I minister the word to you, that I stand as a prophetic herald. I stand as a prophetic herald this morning to bring you the word, and he who has ears will hear that word. The psalmist says, one thing I said, two things, sorry, one thing you said, two things I heard. If you will connect your spirit to the word that God is declaring this morning, I can guarantee in the Holy Ghost that there will be a return. Okay? Now you're on the back foot now, aren't you? Okay. The last time I ministered, I'm a bit like God. I always pick up from where I left off. The last time I ministered, I spoke to you about what do you need to add to your life to stop you from being unfruitful and unproductive? Do you remember? We used the proverb from Proverbs 15:14 that declared, "A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while a fool will feast on trash." What are you feasting on? Are you feasting on the knowledge and drawing on the presence of God? Or do we fill ourselves and just feast, get ourselves bloated on the general trash of life? You know what the general trash of life is, isn't it? You know, we just sit in front of that nice shiny box. I can't tell you what God said this week, but I can tell you everything that happened in EastEnders. And she said to him and he said to her. And in Family Guy, they did this. We get lost in a world of nothingness. It just zaps out of our brains, doesn't it? But we are looking to add to our lives. God is not only taking away, but he adds more than he ever takes out. Do you know that? And we said that there was four areas 
that we needed to touch. There was revelation, understanding, skills, and a redeemed life. But I've just rewritten this slightly, so before I launch into what I say this morning, let me just refresh something to you. In the revelation, the revelation, I believe, is that there is a trumpet being blown in Zion, and there is a global call that the Holy Spirit is starting to stir the hearts of man right across the nations of this world. He is not speaking to one house, he is speaking to many houses. And he is drawing his people, his army, his family, the body of Christ together. We understand both what the Lord is doing and how I fit into that process. We understand that the skills that are needed to fulfill the task, I need to apply in my life and need to get to a place where I become good at it. Have you ever done something where you have a mad moment and you think, do you know what? This month, I'm going to teach myself juggling. You ever done it? You just think you're going to get dead good. So you're in the kitchen, you get three oranges, one goes up, the other one goes up, then everything goes down. You will only ever get good at juggling if you keep... You do realize that you only get good at walking in the light as he is in the light as you practice and work out what he tells you. If we don't do it, we never get any better at anything. And then the final piece was that I redefine life. I have been redefined to understand and realize that I have put my hands to the plow and I am in a position to be mobilized for whatever he desires for me to do. Okay, that one went quiet again there, didn't it? I give you permission, my heart is yours, I want you. So let's have Phil's honesty corner just for a minute. Is that all right? So those of us who know house group, care group, whatever you want, our authentic groups, because people call it lots of different things. But we have known and we have taken this year that Pastor Tony has labored along with ourselves with one key message. That key message is, will you find your voice, both inside and outside of the house? Is that right? That's not fresh this morning, is it? And that has been labored and been worked on and being sown in the spirit, being sown into what we are as a house to get us to the place of starting to move. Now, here's the honesty corner. I don't know. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. I was then, but I thought, no, quick backtrack. Have a word with yourself in your own honesty corner. How many people already feel that the hurdle might be getting a bit too high? already feel that I'm feeling slightly overwhelmed. And you know what? I'm unsure about what God is doing with us and where we're going. But I already feel that first step of founding my voice has already made me go, I'm not sure about this. Okay. I'll take your silence as being I'm talking to you. That each one of us, we can stand here and we can blag it and we can be in our worship and we can all push corporately together But when I'm left and I walk out of that doors, it's still me. And the monsters I have to face are the monsters I have to face. But you know, there's a fantastic psalm. It's Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2 declares this. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call to you as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And even as pastor was leading... 
here, what did he turn around? He said, it was all about bring me to the mountain of God. The cry and part of what the Spirit is declaring is that when I find myself in the rock that is higher than I, something changes. Just very quickly that comes to mind the story of Moses when God passes by him and he sits him in the rock. And when he's in the rock, when you're part of that rock, it's the safest place to be. So who is the rock? He is the mountain above all mountains. It's what Daniel says, isn't it? He is the rock that was cut without human hands, that causes the statue to fall and crumble. Jesus Christ is that mighty rock. So where am I running this morning? I'm running to the rock that is higher than I. But when I run to that rock and I understand that in him is life, in him is strength, in him is all that I am, is in my own identity, I realize and find I have an advocate who's for me and not against me. Shall I tell that again? Because you need to tell your face. We have an advocate who's for us and not against us. That God is not continually trying to beat us down, to tell us how no good we are, to keep us just weak and keep us poor and keep us nowhere. He is, we sang today, we are sons of a kingdom king. If I am a son, then I have rights. I have a place. I have a a privilege. I have a name. Do you know what one of my favorite programs is? I don't really watch telly. Apart from Match of the Day, I'm not very good at most things. But it's one thing I like to watch. Who do you think you are? I am just absolutely caught up in the history of different people. Do you know that? I'm caught up and they say, right, well, here's Tony. I'll tell you because no doubt, any moment now, he will stand up and give his entire background and history of, this is where we blame Andy again. Because you know Andy's that kind of Google reading YouTube know-all. That he never, he's a search analyst, as Tony says, because it benefits him. Andy has this habit of telling you pieces of information that Tony can then use as a stick to beat you with. And what they were doing was, in the who do you think you are, it's one of the descendants somewhere down the line, I think he was a stowaway or something, was on the Titanic. Yeah? I like to say he was the navigator. But, and so, yeah, that's why it sunk. That's why he took his eyes off it, because he went for a brew. But one of Tony's descendants was on the Titanic, and he was a survivor, and life all came through, and it was wonderful. And I think, as from your own words, when you told that story in Australia, Tony said, this man had destiny on his life so much, he run home. So... <laughs> Here's the thing about, in our lives, we all have key elements, don't we? But when I understand that he's my father and I'm found in him, his heart is always towards me because he wants the best for me. Do you know when you're trying to get vegetables down your kids and they ain't going, unless you're the weirdest kid in the world called Ruby, When you're trying to get them veggie, you're like this. You need a balanced diet. It'll do you good. So what do you do? You hide some broccoli under the chips or some whatever it is, you try and get some bits in. God is not trying to hide from us and force things into us where we're not looking. It's completely open. But the scripture says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it only leads to death. 
I think I know what's best for me. I know that even though I might be on the Titanic and it's sinking, I'm taking the piano. There are things that I want to take with me that God says, if you carry on in the direction that we're going, it will kill you. And then we stand here and we sing, come and consume God, all I am. Apart from this filing cabinet of issues that are coming along with me on the journey. His heart is towards us. Scripture says this in Psalm 84, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is out of the highways of Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength until everyone appears before you in Zion. They go from strength to strength. Not the elders go from strength to strength. Not the pastor goes from strength to strength. Not the authentic group leaders go from strength to strength. Not God's favorites go from strength to strength. Until everyone appears before you in Zion. God's heart is that we all grow, we all move forward. But this is the bit that I really want to pick up on this morning. There is a nature of people. And you know this nature is a global thing. It is not a Drollsding thing. It's not a Tameside thing. It's not a Manchester thing. It's not a UK thing. It's global. And do you know what that global thing is? We like to make mountains out of... Oh, there we go. So I've not just told you something that's a surprise this morning, have I? We like to make mountains out of, of molehills. Do you know it's really easy when we keep adding things that things get bigger? I was reminded this week as I was putting this message together, there was a film that came out some years ago, and it was, I think it was by uh, star Hugh Grant, and it was called The Man Who Went Up a Hill and Came Down a Mountain. You see, because your issues are never big enough when it's only a hill. For some reason, we have to make it so it's a mountain so we can keep telling everybody about it. Do you know that? Well, maybe you're not a person. Well, we say in the nature of people, when we start to lose perspective, things always go awry. I remember the first time going, I was only being a little kid back in the days when we used to go to Anglesey. We used to have a guy who was, he always used to have everything, old David Beanhead, Dave Newell. And he always used to take with him, when we used to go to the coast, a pair of binoculars. Do you remember Beanhead's binoculars? He had a huge pair of what seemed to be naval binoculars, which was this big. That he could almost see across the Irish Sea, standing on the coast in Anglesey, seeing what you could see in Holyhead and all the bits. Phil, being a smart and being about eight, decides, I want to go, oh, Dave, give us a go your binoculars. No, Phil, you'll break them. Go on, give it, go on, Dave, don't be tired. Moaning and moaning to have a go of these binoculars. And then being really smart when he let me put the string around my neck. You know, it's big, heavy pair, I'm only little. A bit littler than I am now. <laughs> heavy binoculars dragging me down picking them up, nearly smacking myself in the face because you've not quite judged it, thinking this is absolutely rubbish because I had them the wrong way around. <laughs> I'm looking at the big lens, out the little lens, and thinking, why does everything... Hang on a minute. I thought these things made you go closer, but every time I do that, everything's further away. When I change perspective and I don't handle things correctly and see how he sees, I get things wrong. He always sees things exactly as they are. I thought of this thought, bear with me on it, it's amazing 
How many people in the body of Christ will make this declaration? The Lord said to me. That sounds familiar because he might have spoken to you once or twice. So the Lord said to me, and either it was I heard the voice or the Spirit led me or there was a scripture that we want to have. And it's amazing how adamant people are when God says to you, when it's something you want. When it's something that fits where you're going, it's amazing how we stand and said, I will stand on the declaration that God said. You ain't moving me because I want two lots of chips and I'm having it today because God said it's a double portion blessing day. I am having two lots of chips. So I'm now going to define scripture by whatever I want at that time. God said, so I'm having it. But of course, you never get that immature anywhere down that line. But it's amazing. A team of wild horses will not drag you in the direction of God said when it's something you don't want. Shall I just let the tumbleweed pass? Hang on. I stand on anything. When God brings the word to me and it's something I want, I desire, I need, I stand by that and say, God says, I'll fight for it. And then God turns around and he steps out and says this morning, oh, Tony, you said come and consume. I'm just going to deal with that area. And a scripture comes along that says, take me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm going to deal in this area. Oh, excuse me, I don't think God's speaking today. We invalidate the word of God when I believe it is not for my benefit. But the word of God is the word of God. And it has as much value when I agree with it as when I disagree with it. You know what I'm setting you up here, don't you? You know that for all them people nodding, there might be a moment that comes and bites you somewhere down the line. The context of what I want to talk to you about this morning, and this is where I believe the prophetic declaration comes, is it's time to speak to our mountains. It's time to speak to our mountains. Now, Pastor Tony has talked about different things, shaped it in different ways. You know, often when you minister on a regular basis, you find different ways of saying the same thing. You know that? So Pastor Tony's talked about destiny of individuals, the journey that we're on, the growth that we're taking, life in the movie trailer. All these things are different ways of saying the same thing. Yes? But I want to talk to you just this moment and show you an example. Now, when I was preparing, this banner here really came to mind. Just look at that banner for a second. So when you look at that banner, even forget the words. Let's just take the picture, the graphic as it is. In theology, that imagery that was portrayed there would be classed as mountain top prophecy. What is meant by the theological view of, don't worry, we're not going to get all theological. What is meant by the term mountain top prophecy? You see a guy there standing on the top or the peak of a mountain, do you not? And what do you see on the far side? Another mountain. So you see mountain top, 
to mountaintop. What you do not see, and when God speaks to us as a house and individuals, is the gap in between. You don't see the valley. You don't see the hardship. You don't see the broken nails. You don't see the fatigue. You don't see, for those of us, and I would say those of us, I mean Chris. I've done a little bit when I was younger. But do you realize, I mean, Pastor Tony talks about he walked up, well, climbed a mountain. It was a walk on a sunny day, but never mind, we'll leave it, leave it there. Do you realize it's harder to come down than it is to go up? It is so much more fatiguing. Illustration, have you ever walked, and there's maybe a gap of an inch on the pavement that you didn't see? And you go like that, and the whole leg goes, and it takes the shock through your body. We've all had them, haven't we? That's the not spiritual bit. We've all done that, yes? So you miss your footing a little bit, and it's not quite right. When you're coming down something, a mountain or a big hill or it's steep, the amount of pressure on your knees and on your joints is greater than the amount of pressure going up. Because one, you're pushing against something. The other is, I'm in limbo, clunk. I'm in limbo, clunk. The pressure, it all goes down. Everything works against it. But in this whole process that God is taking us on this journey, he's declaring about destiny, he's declaring about making the journey, he's talking about going to the city. In all of these things, Pastor Tony's even used the terminology saying about maybe if we get into Brazil and what God's doors are opening there, how can you transform a nation? Mountaintop prophecy. But what has God got to do with a man or woman in the first place to get them ready to go to that next step? So when God is declaring and we see things, we go, this hurdle seems too big. But God wants us to be on the place of blessed is the man who sets his heart on pilgrimage for his is a highway to Zion. Blessed is the man with clean hands and a pure heart for he will ascend the hill of the Lord. As God takes us from place to place, there is a journey in between that we don't talk about. Now, there's sometimes I can turn around and go, I'm an adventurer. I'm a man. Let's hunt. Let's do wild things. I only live in Jolston, but we're still hunting, doing different things. So I'll hunt around Tesco's to find the best deal. We are, we're all in that. We're all adventurers. And sometimes I can get into that place of, I'm like Bear Grylls of Jolston. You know, because everybody still thinks you're an adventurer. Come on, fellas, help me out here. You still think you're an adventurer, and you remember your days as a Boy Scout and a dib-dib-dibs, even though all you ever did was tie three knots. But you felt inside, you feel like you could still conquer the world. And you see some of those adventures with Bear Grylls. Not himself where he's like eating a snake. But he takes out a celebrity for two days into the wilderness. And each of those celebrities are put into positions where they are stretched, where they're uncomfortable, where a place of even having to face your own fears. Do you know when you start climbing mountains, don't start climbing it if you've got a fear of heights. Because we have a habit of always wanting to look where we've been rather than where we're going. And as once you have that moment of feeling insecure, feeling that what's around you isn't too stable, then we're having a moment. Yes? Years ago, 
we had the wonderful privilege. It was Pastor Tony and uh, Pastor Colin at the time and myself. We went to Toronto. We went to Toronto. We went up the CN Tower. Remember the CN Tower? Don't go to the CN Tower. Don't go to the CN Tower. Because you've got a piece in the CN Tower about as big as our platform, made of solid glass. Now, at this moment in time, or that time when we went, it was the second or third tallest building in the world. And it's amazing, because your brain can look at a glass floor. Well, wonderful. And the man's there in his little cap and telling you, yes, 27 dancing elephants can go on this glass. Right, I'm hearing 27 dancing elephants. And you stood there looking at the glass until Mr. Mischievous just decides a little bit of a poke from the back makes you kind of stumble when you're not thinking about it onto this glass. What does your brain then do? Panic! And it's almost like, I tell you, they were speaking in tongues a different way, I'm telling you. You can work it out yourself. And you saw so many people giving somebody else just a little nudge. But when your brain or you as a person feels that you're not in control, safe that it's an environment, even though they say 27 dancing elephants, I want to go back into here and say I want to be back in control. Now, because we have Rubster, we still live in the land of nursery rhymes. Remember good old nursery rhymes? Not bad nursery rhymes. Umpty Dumpty, all the stuff, yeah, how many birds in a pie, all the malarkey that goes on. Because Ruby will go, read the book again, read the book again. But I was reminded of something. The nursery rhyme of the grand old Duke of York. He had 10,000 men. He marched them up to the top of the hill, and he marched them down again. You need to come to our readings. They're wonderful. When they were up, they were up. And when they were down, they were down. When they were neither halfway up, they were neither. And that's what I felt in the spirit. We are neither up or down. We are making our journey towards something, but we're still trying to make our minds up whether we should be going up or coming down. And so because of that, we find ourselves double-minded. We find ourselves hard to mobilize because I don't know. I'm uncertain. I'm not sure. It's higher. What's going ahead? I've only got top to top. I don't know the journey in between. What's going to happen? What if something changes? What if God says to me in Tesco's, talk to that person? All of these madmen that run around in the attic, I don't know what to do. So I get caught in a limbo of never going up or never going down, but declaring Lord God, my heart's yours. Change me. I want you to change me as long as I'm not going up or not going down. If I can consolidate my position in the body of God and nothing's ever expected, I don't have to change, don't have to do, don't have to be, I'm all right. Am I only talking to Phil or is anybody else in here? We're moving forward. But this is the great bit. And this is why we talk about God of hope and a God of where we're going. In Mark 11, 23, it declares this. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he's saying, it will happen. It will be granted. Thank you, you miserable bunch. 
Whoever says to this mountain and does not doubt in his heart, it will be done. God from heaven is giving you permission to stand and start to make some declarations about the mountains that you face. Okay. God is giving you permission to start making declarations about the mountains that you face. Do you remember what he said? What do you need to add to your faith? 2 Corinthians 4, 13 and 14 declares this. It is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So let's talk about some stuff. Just get pointy stick for a minute. Fear, sickness, doubt, lack, loneliness, relationship problems, hurt, history, disappointments, abuse, lack of a father, no role models, life being unfair, everything being upside down, the world's against me, everybody hates me, thinks I'll go and eat worms. I do not reduce any of those things that you may be going through or have been through. But surely there has to come a day in the life of you and I where we draw a line under it and we say, today is a fresh day. Does your mountain have an expiry date or does it get bigger and better with age? Does your mountain get bigger and better with age because now I can tell the story better and I've learned how to, when I tell somebody else, and I limp. It's got a twitch. Whatever it is, all of these things we do not reduce. When you turn around, you know the whole thing about, I was thinking, irrational thoughts. It's a rational thought when I'm all right with it. It's rational when I've got the problem. So I can see, you all realize, for those of you who don't look at BBC website, there is a plague of monster spiders. All right, well, me and Andy read the same website, right? There's a plague of, in your house, do not be surprised if you see huge, docking, big spiders. Real ones. So in your houses, for all of a sudden, spiders, I don't know, maybe they've just scared half of you. Sorry, don't look under your cupboards. Spiders that seem to be all been working out at the gym all doing something are turning up at your house. Maybe you've seen them. I've certainly seen them. Our dog has eaten enough of them, right? You see these docking big spiders. Now this is where I expose Dan. Dan, have you seen him? He'll walk around like this. And he'll go, been to the gym. And literally, is he not, not how he's getting? And he'll go, how are you today? Look, oh, and he'll start giving it all one of those. He's getting really strong. Can't help it, he is getting strong. But he's the biggest girl you will ever find when there's a spider. Uh, well, his mom, yes, say there's an amen at the back. Ruby has no problem with spiders. Ruby will take the spider. Dan is running and screaming. 
I need to also say there's a member of our eldership team quite like that, and I'm not looking at two of them. You devise who that third person might be. Arachnopol. <laughs> so Ruby is not in the place yet of having an irrational thought. It's a thing with long legs that runs around, and it's quite, you can chase it. It's one of them, and you're shouting the dog to come and eat it. That's fine. Spider comes down out of the door. So when we talk about all of those things, things being irrational to me, make perfect sense to you. But you know, I was reminded, again, I've done a lot of reminding this week, but because I'm young, got my finger on the pulse of the youth culture, there was a song out that was last year, I think it was by Rihanna, who says, I've made friends with a monster who lives under my bed. When you make friends with your mountain or your monster, nothing changes. Because you know you have that kind of curfew that says, I don't bother you and you don't bother me. But then I stand here and I say, come and consume God, all I am. I give you permission, my heart is yours. And the Holy Ghost says, oh, right. Rubs his hands together and says, can we just point at that? Now, well, you know, God, we've already clarified this. That when you bring your word or prompting, it's for my good. But when you do something I don't want, then I have to put, get you behind me, Satan, because I don't actually think it's God anymore. I reduce what it is, but I move on. Now, here's the wonderful thing about Tigger. No. Here's this wonderful thing. The scripture declares this. There is nothing impossible for God. Now, would you like the Greek for that? Nothing. Do you want the Hebrew? Nothing. You know what that covers? Everything. There is nothing impossible for God. So that means the monster that lives under your bed, it's not impossible for God. But that's God. What about God? God's special. He's the one. Look, he's on the throne, big white beard. He's the big fella. He's the one who sets the world in motion. He sets everything in place for nothing is impossible with God. Ah, glad you asked. Matthew 17, 20 says this. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed and say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move, for nothing will be impossible for you. Well, not as many amens as nothing impossible for God. So I come to the place of saying, Lord, I'm in this situation, God, where I'm feeling like I'm on the back foot. I don't know where I'm going. We've moved from God's doing something to the declarations of mountaintop prophecy where God starts to say, Christ revealed, the church reformed, the city transformed. They're the mountaintops. I don't see the journey in between. But God turns around and says, right, Chris, I need you. But God, there's a spider who lives near the city. Hello. Do two things. Get Ruby and a dog. Or learn to get the nothing's impossible with God working on your side. There is something that we need to do. Now, Pastor Tony touched on this a couple of months ago when he talked about Caleb. I like Caleb. I like the story of Caleb. You know, the thing that grabs me more than anything else, and it wasn't his age. It says that Caleb was a man of a different spirit. 
Caleb was a man of different spirit. And even though he's 80 years of age, he's able to say to Joshua, give me this mountain, that which was promised to me by Moses 40 years before. Give me my mountain. And do you know what was special about that mountain that Caleb took? It was the land of the Anak. A-N-A-K. You know who the Anak are? They're the giants. So he doesn't even turn around and say, give me a little bit. He turns around and says, give me that mountain that was promised to me. I'm 80 years of age. And I don't care even if it comes with a giant. Because the God who told me 40 years before, as a witness of seeing what was in the land, that they are strong, but they are ours for the taking, because God is with us, is still the same God. Now, you might not like it. But Pastor Tony said before, you know there's a difference between your spirit and your soul? And they both always don't want the same thing. You know, your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. And my spirit says, yes, Lord, I want you. I'm drawing after you, God. I'm pursuing you. And then my soul goes, yes, but. Yes, but. There's a spider. There's a spider in the bath. I can't go in the bathroom. There's a spider in the bath. Completely illogical. But it makes perfect sense to you. And if we are going to be transformed and renewed by the renewing of our mind, that we put on the heart and have the heart and mind of Christ, part of all of what 21 days is pushing to, the reason I said that I'm a a prophetic herald this morning is that I believe some of them spiders in the bath, those mountains that you thought were untouchable, will be stripped down and pulled down and brought down to nothing over and through 21 days. Don't sound convinced. Do you know what I said? That there is a nature of people. And the nature of people is make mountains out of molehills. There is some research which has been done, scientific research, that says this. doesn't matter about your background, your culture, your age, your sex, your upbringing. There is one thing which is common to all mankind. People will not change. Unless... There are two sides, reward or pain. People will only change if I see the benefit. And people will change of, if you don't do this, you're dying tomorrow. When the pain is bad enough, I will change and I will face anything. If I'm in the desert and there is no water and I find your old sweaty, veruca-ridden shoe and it's got half a can of water in it, you know I'm drinking your sweaty Veruca-filled shoe. I'll let you picture that one for a minute. (laughs) Pain or reward. Now, what happened was, is that a few years ago, when Sir Bradley Wiggins won the uh, yellow jersey and the Tour de France, and then he won the gold medal, said they sat down, they had a meeting two years before, And they said, if you get to the place of almost killing yourself, you will beat your body. You're not going to see your family. You are going to be away. We're going to put you on these tracks. We're going to make things so hard. You're going to go up mountains. You're going to go down. You're going to be, you was down as a sprinter, but you're going to be a sprinter, but you're also going to be a mountaineer. And everything they said, they were going to kill this guy for two years. But if you do this, We guarantee you will be the first Englishman who will win the Tour de France. 
I will put up with the pain on the journey for the reward at the end of it. If I said to you, you're going on your holidays in a week's time, and I can just say, you give me 20 quid, and I guarantee you will be four dress sizes smaller. You know there's a queue down the street, don't you? <laughs> Chris said, no good to him. I would beg to differ, Chris, but I'll let that one go. Risk or pain and reward. That if I can see the benefit in something, I will go through the process because something's going to benefit me. Come and consume God all I am. I give you permission. Right, now let me tell you about this spider which you don't want to face. When you face your spider, there's nothing in the way for you moving forward to everything I have for you. But I prefer the spider. Okay. And this is when we say about the grand old Duke of York, we get stuck not going up and not going back. Because I don't want to go back to where I was, but I can't move forward because there's a spider. And it seems irrational. But God says, let me deal with it and let me change some things for you. He says, Caleb was a man of a different spirit, yet he saw exactly the same things as the other people. He saw the same giants. He saw the same land to take. He saw the same fortified cities. But he got the understanding that God was with them. When you realize that God is with you and not against you, you will make the journey towards something. Why? Because you will be better at the end of it. But I'm quite happy living here with not an awful lot. Stroking me spider from a distance, rather than saying everything is going to be open to you as we move forward. I asked this question to Pastor Tony last night, and he gave me a semi-reasonable answer. I'll give him, make it fine because I twisted the ending. For those of us, again, in our group, we know that the answer and the question are never normally the same thing. But I asked this question, what is the difference between can and can't? And we get all spiritual about it. We're going, well, it's the power of the human will. And we can go all to that will. The thing, we make it really simple because you don't feel it's quite simple. The thing, the difference between can and can't is the cross. We call it a letter T. It's the cross that came at the end of it. And that cross that you and I came to and through is the access point for your life changing. Yeah. It wasn't the access point for you to stay exactly the same. Because once I go through the cross and don't stay at it, the scripture declares, I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. For everything that's natural and for everything that's spiritual, I will give you truth on the inside. I will send you the Holy Ghost and he will lead you into all truth. You know the truth about that little spider, just because it's got long legs and it runs. Do you know it's not ripping your throat out when you're asleep, don't you? You know it's not going to pull a flick knife on you when you turn the other way. It's a spider. It's just the fact that it runs. And because it runs, we're not too sure what to do. All right. Throw something at it, hit it with your shoe, do whatever. But when we're in this position of being believers, there are things that we don't want to let go of. We will still class as being our mountains. 
that will hinder us from moving forward, from being mobilized, from being all that we can be in Christ because of we've laughed and we've said our spider. It's rational to you, but it's still irrational to God. Because if you don't want it enough, there is nothing impossible for God. Right, God, I might be going through this process. I might have fear. I might have insecurity. I might have lack. I might have been hurt. I might have been used. I might have been abused. But God says, right, let's start the healing process and bring you into freedom so that you can be free and stay free. Or, flip side, I made friends with a monster who lives under my bed. There is something which is very key. When the word of the Lord is declared, whether it be in our worship, whether somebody's preaching, whether or not the Spirit of God is ministering to you as you open and read your own Bible, when that word comes to you, when you say yes and amen to it and move towards action, not I've just put another scripture in my head, memory scripture for the day, but I'm moving towards working it out, there is a grace which is imparted with that word which will enable you to do what it says. We wonder why when we don't move to action, there is no grace to do. Do you know if you sit there and try and pump up faith, nothing's happening. The chances are you'll get more wind than what you will faith. Keep breathing in and breathing out. Took me pulses, no more faith than what there was two minutes ago. Then the obstacles seem bigger and bigger. I'm not changing. When that word comes, I have to be able to move it to application, even if it's only a couple of percent at a time. If I'm moving and putting one foot in front of the other, I will get to the journey. I will get to the distance. But you know, there's a scary thing. The scary factor is this. The spider, the giant, the mountain, whichever terminology you want to face, that you do not deal with today, your children have to deal with tomorrow. You see, you get hurt, you get used, you get abused. You never deal with that. You carry the wound in your soul. And I understand why. You carry that wound within your heart. And then you start to raise your kids. And as you raise your kids, you start telling them, don't trust people, don't do that. You're always all right on your own. And you start to put in a defense mechanism into your kids from wherever you were hurt. And you actually make them worse than you. But you don't realize it. Because inside, I never had the ability to deal with the spider. So what I will do is now, making mountains out of molehills, never turn your back on a spider, son. If you turn your back on a, on a spider and you say spider, spider on a Wednesday, you know they grow four times bigger. We make things in our own minds and imaginations that make everything bigger and bigger and bigger when all the time he's trying to strip away, strip away, strip away so that you and I can not only be called sons of the living God but that we can be mobilized for what he wants. See, God knows what he's doing. I told you, didn't I, that being Bear Grylls of Drollsden, more Bacon Grill of Drollsden, Thank you for that word of encouragement there, Catherine. 
there is a thing and a manly thing. Again, it's manly. The ladies, you've probably not seen it, but manly thing. Are you tough enough to do the extreme SAS survival thing? Have you seen it? BBC Two, what they've done is for the last few weeks, they had the Marines on, and then they had the guy who was tra training the Israelis, and you get to the SAS and all the stuff. And you're there, sat in your armchair with a bag of crisps, but going, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I get 50 presents. Yeah, I could do that. You see all of these bits that kind of work around. But there's that element inside of us where we want to be something better. We kind of think we can be stretched. But when push comes to the shove, on week one, if you can't do it, go and ring the bell. Are you going to be the one that rings the bell first and gets out? And, you know, you saw it. These people have been through this really hard, rigorous kind of recruitment process to be these civilians to say, can you take it on? And it said they had the 30th fittest people in the world, well, in the UK, and they've been through all these selection processes, all come down. And this guy said, right, I want you to do 50 press-ups and then jump in and out of this pool of water. And a guy went, excuse me, excuse me, I want to ring the bell because I don't like getting wet. Excuse me, we've not even started the program yet, and we only said you're getting cold. And this guy bails out, and these were the best. You and I, God knows what he's doing, that he doesn't show you the press-ups, the cold water, the times without food, the times when it's nobody loves me, the times when it's hard, when you've got grazed knees, when you're crying and it seems that God's not answering. All of those moments, the fatigue, the pain, the trouble to not only go down, but to start climbing the mountain back up again. We declare as a house, we're going to city transformation. Not if you don't like spiders. I don't want to belittle what I'm saying this morning. I'm trying to do it in maybe a humorous way so that you can grab hold of something. That which you see as being the logical reason why you cannot change, God still says in the light of his word, it's illogical. So we're going to make you face some spiders. Well, you won't make me face a spider because I won't come. Right. You know, God will bring a spider to you if you won't come to the spider. And the same thing is, I'm standing on God's word for the salvation of my kids and the nation being transformed and I'm going to the nations and I will be this. Right. Okay. So now what we need to deal with, this position of your attitude, and this is what he says. Excuse me. Hello. We're not going there. If you don't come to the spider, the spider is coming to you. Because the giants are still in the land where you are. Whether you like it or not, you can think I won't trouble it, but it's going to trouble you. So you might as well trouble trouble. It's time to stop talking about your mountain and start talking to it. I said, it's time to stop talking about your mountain of every reason to justify every position you take. I can't do this because. I can't do that because. I can't say hello to Brian because I once knew a fellow called Brian and he owned a spider. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, everything you do, you can justify. But God's over here saying there is nothing impossible for me. And because you are a son and child of the living God, when you move towards faith, because you must move to faith because faith doesn't move towards you, 
when you step into where he's at, the same impossible becomes possible. There are more giants to take. There are more Caleb's that must rise in the body of Christ that says, it seems hard, but we're going anyway. Or we can be like the people of the grand old Duke of York. Neither up, neither down. Just stuck in the middle. I believe this over 21 days. But this is what I really felt the Lord impact into my spirit yesterday. The giant you see today, you will not see tomorrow when you humble yourself and you bring yourself and lay your heart on the altar, as you allow my word to come to you, faith and grace being imparted into you, the Egyptian you see today, you will not see tomorrow. But you can sit there and go, shut up, Phil. I don't care. Right, I'm not talking to you. Because, you know, back in the Old Testament and back in history, when a herald was sent out, he went declaring, putting up notes, whatever, and says, this is the decree of the king. If you listened, you listened. If you don't, you don't. You can walk in here this morning with your spider, with your phobia, with your past, with your hurts, with your abuse, with your bitterness. Was it I lost a child? My husband left me. I was used and abused. I've got no money. You can stand in all of that. And all of that is fair. Or I draw a line from a new day and say, my God, I will ascend the hill of the Lord. I will go up the rock that is higher than I. Faith alone will not change your situation. Faith, action, partnering with him and pushing through in prayer will see something changed. In 21 days, if you want to sit on your hands, be great, sit on your hands. If you want a nice free book to read and you think that was very nice, stick it on the shelf, that's exactly what you're going to do. But I really declare and I push in the spirit this morning, I sow again to you that says, if you take what God is looking as the trumpet is sounding from Zion, your life will change. You know the greatest thing about the need for being mobilized is this, is that when you read anywhere through the Old Testament, that when the elders went to the city gates, they had the strength that went with them. God forbid that when things start to change, he's on his own. No one said you were preaching in the city. No one said you were turning the world upside down. But as a house, we stand with the word and we stand as a corporate unit together at the city gates with our strength and say, this is it. We stand together. Because there are giants to take. There are cities that need taking over. There are lives that need changing. There are people that need you. You need to decide once and for all, are you going to be free to stay free? Or is that monster under the bed, the monster under the bed that you're best friends with? Do you know, I think it was pointed out, I was talking to Paul on Thursday night, and with this, we'll close. He was talking about, he got really scriptural. I was quoting Bible references. He said, did you ever see heaven almighty? And he said, there's a situation where Bruce almighty, sorry, Bruce almighty, and he says to God about needing courage. And he says, do you give me courage? And he says, no, I give the opportunity for you to demonstrate it. Does God give you faith? Or does he give you the opportunity to exercise your faith? Does he give you all the courage before you go and do? Or in the going to do, do you find some courage? In all of this, we see things now where 
for all of us, myself included, I've already found all of the reasons why what I'm saying this morning is not talking to me. All of those things that are dear to me are things that are still dear to me and I'm not ready to lay them down on the altar. Right. I will just remind you of one statement. If you don't come to your spider, the spider's coming to you because God is working on the house. In all of what's been going on this morning, we've been talking about coming to the mountain. We're talking about the whole process of here I am, Lord, change me, transform me. Right. God has a habit of taking you at your word. We want to take him at his, but we don't like it when he takes us at ours. So come on, guys, let's just stand to our feet. Don't allow something that started off small in your life to now become the insurmountable issue. Whatever those things are, nothing is impossible for God. When I draw on that seed of faith and start to declare to it, nothing becomes impossible to me. So come on, church, just for a moment. We're not having an altar call. I believe that the business will be done privately between you and God over your 21 days, that God will give you opportunity to deal with some issues. You may be lonely. You may have had relationship issues. They may feel lack. You might feel that there's been the use and abuse. You might even be in that horrible place of disappointment. I've heard it all before. When's it going to change? Why is it everybody else? Why is it never me? All of those things where you think God's got favorites and it's never you. It all changes in this moment. For it's time to speak to your mountain. And as we start to sow in the spirit, we will receive in the spirit. Amen. So come on, church. Let's just raise our hands just for a moment. Just as we start to seal what we're doing today. The only thing that I ask of you in the presence of God this morning, and it's your own heart towards him, is that if you're saying, Lord God, I know that there's a monster who lives under my bed. I know there's an issue. Then I turn around and say, my God, I partner with you. And I say, yes, for I'm moving to speak to my mountain so that you can move me from one place to the next. Whether I'm going through the valley of Baca or climbing back up with the blood, sweat and tears to the other side, God, I want to make that journey with you. So my God, Father, I just declare this morning, I thank you for what you've been doing in the house. I thank you, Lord God, for the clarity of your word in the worship as you drew towards us. But Lord God, I pray right now that Lord God, Father, the mountains that have held us back, that, Lord God, I pray that even if a man has faith the side of a mustard seed can say to his mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. Oh, my God, I pray right now, Lord God, that, Father, forgive us. We've not wanted to belittle your word or reduce it. But I say this morning, Lord God, the truth of your spirit touches in every area, touches in the area of our lives. Cause our souls to be impacted, Lord God that our souls and our spirits will come into alignment. That, Lord God, as we say yes in our spirit, our souls will respond. Our mind will emotions will come into alignment with what you're saying. That, Lord God, we're excited about what you're going to do with us over this course of this next month. But Lord God, I pray that there will be a people who are changed, a people transformed. But yet even more, Lord God, a people who are mobilized for your word, for your namesake, Lord God, and for the sake of the cities. Lord God, I pray, change us, transform us, cause us to be the men and women that you desire to be. That we put down that monster, we put down that giant once and for all. And the Egyptian we see today, we will no longer see again. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.